In Jesus' name, amen. What's the point? Does any of this even matter? Have you ever asked yourself those kinds of questions? Have you ever wondered what the point of all of this is or if anything that you're doing even matters? I, think, I do think that sometimes, at least for moments, our lives do feel pointless, maybe fruitless, or frustratingly futile. Now, what's the point, we ask sometimes? Does anything even matter? I know that there have been times in my life where I've wondered that. I've wondered what the point is. I've wondered if anything I'm doing seems to matter. One of those times, and hear me out here because I don't want you to get worried, uh, so, so, so hear what I'm saying. Uh, one of those times when I came when I was called here to be your pastor. Uh, you see, on uh, April 26, 2016, at 7.30 p.m., uh, I was called here. God told me that this was the place that I was called to be. It was an exciting day, a, a wonderful day. But, but the next day, at around 9 a.m. in the morning, I had to go to class again. As of then, I had three or four more weeks of lectures and tests and exams to go to. And, and during those last three weeks, sometimes I wondered, what's the point? Does any of it even matter? Should I bother going to that lecture? Should I uh, bother studying for that test? What's the point? I know where I'm going. What are they going to do to me now? Tell, tell me that God got it wrong and take the call away? I wondered, what's the point? Three more weeks of classes. Does any of it even matter? Uh, but there have been other times in my life, too. I, I remember when I was uh, first working in a church on my DCE, Director of Christian Education, internship. I was um, working for about a year there, uh, and during that time, one of the jobs I had was to teach a Wednesday morning Bible study, much like I do here. And, and I love that study. I, I look forward to it every Wednesday. Uh, I was new to working in a church, and so I poured my life in, into it. I, I, I studied the scripture. I, I read books and commentaries and, and devoted myself to it. I, I showed up each week with a lesson plan, prepared and ready to go. I was I thought to myself, you know, there's really nothing better than, than reading God's Word, digging into it, and then sharing it with other people and, and encouraging each other in the faith and watching each other grow. I thought, you know, if anything is meaningful in life, this is it, and, and I was excited for it. And, and at first, I, I think it was great that there was a large group of people that would come, and, and all of them seemed excited, which made me excited, and we were growing and learning together. Uh, I was new at it, but it was wonderful. Uh, but over time, the, the excitement wore off. And I remember by the last couple months, on a good day, it was me and one other faithful couple and maybe the secretary if she felt bad for me. And on a, a bad day, it was just me with my lesson plan and a stack of Bibles. And, and in those days, I would look around the tables in the empty room and think to myself, what's the point? Does any of this matter? I'd worked so hard. I'd prepared each week and I thought I was doing something that mattered to people. I, I thought I was doing something of eternal significance, but maybe not. I wondered, what's the point? Does, does any of it even matter? I think we've all had at least maybe moments like that. Uh, maybe for you it happened on your way to work one day. Uh, driving in the car, you looked forward to another day of the 9 to 5, working through the grind, going to work, sitting in a cubicle, punching numbers on a keyboard, filling out spreadsheets. And as you look forward to that, as you drove into work, you wondered, you know, is, is there something more to life than this? Could I be having a, a greater impact? What's the point? Uh, does any of what I'm doing today going to matter? Or maybe you wondered it on your way home from work. You, you worked a, a long day, you put in the hours, and at the end of it, you knew uh, at least you had one thing to look forward to, and that was the time with your family. And you thought, if nothing else matters, the work I do for them matters. And 
So you work your long day, you stop at the grocery store on the way home, you're exhausted, but you go home and spend an hour in the kitchen cooking dinner for your family, thinking this is the, the one thing I do during the day that matters, at least to someone. And so you work hard, you're tired, but you get the food on the table, you all sit down, and you would like to think that your family would appreciate it, but instead all you hear are the complaints, right? Uh, Mom, can we just have chicken fingers? Or, or Dad, can we just order a pizza? We don't want this. Uh, and you wonder then, What's the point? Why am I doing this? Does any of it matter? I think many of us have maybe asked that. Uh, I I think sometimes we wonder that. What's the point? Even when it comes to our spiritual lives. You all know it's not easy always to be a Christian. It's not easy to believe in something that you can't see day after day, week after week, year after year. It's not easy to live how God wants us to, following his rules and commands when he demands things of us like sacrifice and humility and... um, obedience, it's not easy to be a Christian. And we might be tempted to think, what's the point? Why am I working so hard? Does any of this even matter? Uh, But let me explain a little bit more. Uh, For the past month or so, we've been walking through the series called The End, and we've been looking at 1 Thessalonians, and I hope that we've seen over the past month uh, that there really is no end for Christians, that we are looking forward to a return, the return of Jesus, And I think we've seen over the past month that there are some things that we don't know. Uh, Last week in our readings, we were reminded that we don't know when Jesus will come, when that day or time will be. We don't know exactly what that will look like, his return. But there are a lot of beautiful, wonderful things we do know about his return. We know that one day Jesus will come back uh, on the clouds, descending from heaven with his angels, with the sound of a trumpet. And when he comes, we, we, we are reminded both in our scripture and our creed that he will raise the living and the dead. He will gather together his people into one kingdom that will have no end. He will redeem and renew and restore all things. What a wonderful day that will be, right? I hope we've seen that. Uh, but it does kind of beg the question, if, if Jesus is coming back, if he's going to redeem and renew and restore all things, if he's going to bring us into this eternal kingdom, if he's going to cleanse us and forgive us our, of our sins, then what's the point of all of this? You know, if Jesus is just going to clean up our messes that we've made, then should we bother not making them or should we bother trying to clean them up? I mean, what's the point? If Jesus is just going to forgive me on that last day, then why not live how I want to live? If Jesus is just going to redeem and renew and restore this world, then what's the point? Does any of this matter? Do we really have to work so hard to live how he wants us to, to follow all those rules and commands? Because it's not easy. Uh, Well, we'll we'll get there, and and maybe we'll we'll ask ourselves uh, if there is a point to following all those rules and commands and, and directives Uh, But first, I I just wanted to take a minute looking at some of those rules, those commands, those guidelines that God has for how we are to live as his children. Uh, We heard many of them in our reading for today on page 7 in your bulletin. It was our second reading from 1 Thessalonians. Um, I'll have it up here on the screen too if you want to follow along. I'd like to just walk through this. We're going to walk through how does God want us to live, and then maybe at the end we'll answer if there's a point to, to putting up with all this, to working so hard, struggling and striving to live how he wants us to. Uh, But in the beginning of our reading, which is really one long list of directives, as Paul finishes his letter there to the Thessalonians, uh, he's reminding them, uh, leaving them with some final instructions on how to live as God's people. Uh, He starts the the reading by saying that we are to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Sounds nice, right? Right? But if you think about it, it's not easy to acknowledge, or another way to say that is to respect, esteem, lift up someone who has admonished you, someone who has called you out on your sin, told you that you're wrong, and told you to do better next time. How many of us esteem or respect people 
who, who have called us out on our sin. That's not easy. Uh, but he goes further. He says uh, that we are to live in peace with each other. And he doesn't say just sometimes or with some people, like the people we get along with or the people that are like us, uh, but we are to live in peace. No clicks, uh, no gossip, no fighting, just peace. He says we are to warn those who are idle. I don't think that just means that we wag our finger at lazy people. I also think that sometimes we have to wag the finger at ourselves and, and get to work. We are to be hardworking people, not idle or disruptive. Uh, we are to encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and be patient with everyone, even that person who's brought 20 items through the 12 or less line at Jewel. We have to be patient with everyone. Uh, we make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, so revenge has no place in the Christian life. We just do not take revenge. It's not what we do. But we always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. We always have our neighbor's best interest at heart. He goes on. He says that we are to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. So we are to be content. We don't complain. We don't grumble about what we don't have. We don't look with jealousy at what our neighbors has, their cars, their homes, and think, why don't I have that? We're just content. We rejoice. We pray. We give thanks. We do not quench the spirit. We do not treat prophecies with contempt, but we hold on to what is good and we reject every form of evil, even the kinds that we like and that we've justified in our own minds. I mean, this is quite a list, isn't it? <laughs> and if we were to actually live like this uh, all of the time, that's a lot of work. And, and when we remember, oh yeah, Jesus is coming again. He's going to raise the dead, redeem, renew, restore all things. He's going to forgive me and cleanse me. It, it might be tempting to think, well, what's the point then, right? Why, why go through all of this if Jesus is just going to fix it all at the end, you know? Does, does any of this even matter? But maybe we should uh, first remember why God has told us how to live and why he's given us these directives and commands. Uh, I think we should say first that God did not give us all of this as some sort of checklist that we must follow, checking the boxes, and if we can check all the boxes, then we pass the test. Because if that were the case, none of us would pass. Uh, and God gave us this list not to tell us that he only loves perfect people. You know, his love is only for people who have done all of this perfectly. Because uh, if that were the case, then none of us would be loved because none of us are perfect. No, you see, God uh, doesn't love perfect people because there are none. God loves broken, messy, hurting, sinful people. In fact, God loves broken, hurting people so much that he sent his son Jesus into this world to live and to die and to rise again. He did all of that for you. And, and Jesus loves broken, hurting, messy people so much that he has called you into relationship with him. He's given you faith. He's, he's brought you into his family. He's made you, yes, you, his child. He's forgiven you. He's cleansed you. And now he wants to use you to share his love for that broken, hurting, messy world. You see, I think God has given us all these directives, all these commands, all these guidelines, not primarily for, for our own sakes, but for the sake of the world, for the benefit of the world. God wants you to live like that because he wants you to, to use you to share his love with that broken, hurting world that so desperately needs him. You see, yes, Jesus is coming back one day to redeem and restore all things, and what a beautiful, wonderful day that will be for us. But, but in the meantime, when we live like the children that God has made us to be, when we abstain from every form of evil, when we do good in every circumstance, when we are people of peace and love, what we are doing is we are giving the rest of the world a little glimpse of eternity. 
when we live like the children He has made us to be, we are giving the rest of the broken, hurting, messy world a, a foretaste, a little appetizer of that eternal kingdom that Jesus is coming one day to bring. See, that's why he, he's given us this, because he loves the world and he wants to use us, me, and you to share that love with everyone. You see, that's the point. When we live as God's children, God uses everything we do for his good. Even the most boring, mundane, uh, seemingly useless parts of our life, God injects with eternal significance. And so the next time you're sitting at your desk filling out a spreadsheet or you're changing a diaper, you're babysitting your grandkids, uh, or you're just going through the nine to five and you're driving uh, the kids to to soccer practice, God is using all of that uh, to show love to the world. Anything done out of love for God or out of love for our neighbor is injected with eternal significance so that the world might get a glimpse of the love and the compassion of Jesus that is waiting for us in that eternal kingdom. See, that's the point, God using us for good. Uh, Let me give you one example of this. Uh, About five years ago now, um, I was at a a wake at a funeral home, actually for my uncle. Uh, We were there, uh, I suppose, about a week after he died. Um, Friends, family, everyone who knew my uncle or who knew the family wanted to support us. Uh, We're all there. About halfway in, as I remember it, a man walked in named Craig. Craig, as far as I know, never came across my uncle. They never crossed paths. They weren't friends. They weren't buddies. They didn't hang out. Uh, I wouldn't even be able to say that that Craig was a a friend of our family. Uh, He went to the same church as my parents, uh, St. Paul and Mount Prospect, and uh, he probably served on a board with my mom, but uh, we weren't hanging out at Craig's house for dinner. Uh, We weren't grabbing drinks with with Craig. Uh, Craig was an acquaintance. uh, a church friend. Uh, But Craig came that day, I I think, uh, to show a little bit of love. Uh, I think Craig showed up to say that when we grieved, our church family grieved, and he wanted to show his support uh, in that time of need. Now, I don't know, but I I wonder sometimes if, as Craig was driving over to the funeral home that day, if he wondered, what's the point? You know, why am I going to this? I I didn't know the man. I don't even really know his family that well. You know, is, is it worth it? What, 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 what am I going to say? What am I going to do for the 20 minutes I stand there awkwardly in a funeral home? Does it matter? What's the point? Why am I going? But you see, he was a child of God. And God was working through Craig to give us a little glimpse of eternity. God was working through Craig to show us, uh, his family, uh, the love and the compassion and the support of Jesus. See, that's the point. When we live like how God has called us to live, when we live out our identities as his children, God is using us, infusing us with eternal significance to show his love to a broken, hurting world. In Jesus' name, amen.